Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, February 24th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website, click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also download a whole host of audio files of shows like this one where people have been stepped through the worksheet process. If you listen to them, they can serve as a tutorial for how to get maximum benefits from these tools in the shortest period of time. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on it, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet contains an abbreviated version of this worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives when they do that, and it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please give us a call at 563 
888-346-3581. Call that number and press 1, and we can have a conversation. It'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And we appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. And when you give us a call and let us know how these things are landing for you, then it makes it far easier for us to be of service and live into that intention. So how can we support you today? I was not here yesterday because we had an ice storm that hit on Wednesday and it took out the power to most of the town that I live in including my home and my office. And I spent yesterday rearranging patients and trying to find a motel to stay in and all of those other little busyness things that have to happen when what you normally would do with your daily routine gets upturned. And I was... uh, blessed to have the financial resources and a good working car to be able to travel to wherever the next available motel room was, since many, many people from the town I live in were all in search of motels at the same time yesterday, so there weren't any in town. I had to travel a couple towns away, and... um, there are still places in this town today that do not have service and don't have electricity, don't have heat, don't have... So I'm fortunate, and I'm in my office, and we have power, and we have Internet, and we have phone. So we have time to talk, answer questions, do a worksheet discuss any of the topics that we've been engaging in in the past couple of weeks. 563-999-3581. Call that number. Press 1. Let's have a conversation. What's been happening with you and or your family and or your life challenges? I have quite a few people that when they find out about the uh, situation, they they go quite negative quite quickly. Oh, that's tragic, and oh my, that's horrible, and I just, I don't have that experience. My experience is one of um, reveling in the good fortune, understanding that There are all kinds of people right here in this very town who don't have the resources to just pack up. Either they've got kids and or they've got pets they have to watch after. And so they can't just pack up like I did and go to a motel for a couple of nights and and let the Commonwealth Edison people do their work and So my experience has been one of gratitude and looking for the silver linings in all of these events. 
and um, and I have marveled at different times at the, the negativity that even some of my own family members have expressed, or the um, the negative spin on this. Oh, that's tragic, and oh, that's wrong, and that power company shouldn't have let that happen, and. I can't believe they don't have your power back yet. And, and as, I, as I witness that, I'm, I'm not, it's kind of a validation for me <clears throat> that this, this is how we keep ourselves stuck in negativity. We, we buy the negative filter and then we pour our mind energy into it. And we convince ourselves that we're right, this is bad, this is wrong, this shouldn't have happened this way or that way. And um, just like the way of mastery talks about beginning you know, very much into the first lesson, we don't experience anything aside from what we've chosen to experience. And what they're referring there to is the experience I create of these life events simply because of the filter I'm using to view these life events. Now, it's, you know, there's nothing in my way of understanding it in the way of mastery that says, I created this ice storm. I created this power outage. And yet, it is saying, I get to create my experience of it. And right here, in this very experience, I get to see powerful examples of how other people are creating their experience of this situation. And this includes people who are not even displaced. They didn't lose power. They didn't lose power in their office. They didn't lose power in their home. And yet, when they they look at this or they hear about somebody, whether it's someone they of their family or someone they care about, and they say, "Oh, you know, this is a horrible thing," they're creating a negative experience of this even though it doesn't directly impact them. They still have the power in their home, in their office. That's what we're talking about in terms of statements from the way of mastery where it says we create our experience of life and we don't experience anything that we haven't chosen. So I'm, ex- I'm choosing throughout this experience to just focus on gratitude. Now, is there, are there disruptions to my routine? Yes. Do I have to change, you know, reschedule patients? Yes. Do I have some patients that are quite upset because in their worldview, they're thinking that their sessions with me are critically important to their functioning, and do we have to help them navigate that? Yes. 
does that mean I have to view this as a negative thing? No. It's just a thing. And I just went flash into my head was the, the story I like to report about the umpires who were calling baseball and softball games all day. And they met at the, the pub after a long day of the weekend with all these games where they were officiating. And there's three of them sitting at a table. And the first one says, well, you know, guys, there's balls and strikes, and I call them as they are. And the next umpire pipes up and she says, well, you know, there's balls and strikes, and I call them as I see them. And the third umpire pipes up and she says, well, you know, there's only pitches until I call them. And that's what Way of Mastery is referring to. That's where our choice lies. What am I going to call this? Am I going to call this an opportunity for growth and healing? Am I going to call this a horrible negative thing? It's my choice always how to interpret and respond to life events. I do not always have the choice about what my life events are going to be. I always have the option about how to interpret and respond to the life events that unfold around me. In this work, the way of mastery, the Course in Miracles, Dr. Michael Rice's work with the Kabor's Manuscript and the Mind Shifter Reality Management Tool, Reality Management Worksheet, all of it is based on that same observation. All of this work functions best for me when I view it through the lens of observation. Let me be results-oriented. Let me be very practical in my approach. Let me apply a tool and assess whether or not I like the results. Let me be vigilant against belief and dogma and let me be active in my, I'll call it, observation of the impact of a belief or a ritual so that I can uh, assess just for myself, not that I'm going to be preaching it to anybody else, but I can assess for myself, do I like the results? And if I like the results I'm getting, I can do more of what I've been doing. And if I don't like the results I'm getting, I can choose again, which is one of the primary things that you hear over and over as you read through The Way of Mastery and The Course in Miracles. It's also what Diedrich Wolzak has chosen as his catchphrase for his work, which was based 
very, very solidly in the Course in Miracles study that he did to bring himself back from the depths of depression and suicidal ideation and intention. And, and so, you know, his, I think his website is chooseagain.com. And he has the uh, six-step worksheet, forgiveness, choose, choose again, forgiveness worksheet. And again, his work is based on his understanding and deep study of the Course in Miracles. So, how can we help you choose again, choose differently? What's a struggle you're having in your life that would benefit from a reality management worksheet or a different perspective or a mind shifter or what's some work you've been doing recently on a mind shifter or a reality management worksheet tool. 563-999-3581. Call that number, press 1, and we can have a conversation. I would be happy to assist you, to either answer your questions or assist you in putting together a, a reality management worksheet or a mind shifter. Um, we've got about 40 minutes left, plenty of time. I think I was referring to somebody on our last show on Wednesday where I was working with somebody who had she had discovered a level of guilt she was carrying that was she was completely blind to until we did some EMDR which is a trauma reduction technique and in the middle of just relaxing and allowing and asking to be shown the hidden parts of her mind, etc. She realized at a very deep level that she was holding guilt. And the guilt was so intense that she'd blocked it from her conscious awareness. And as we worked with it in the session... And she allowed herself to experience it directly. She was able to release, I don't know, I don't know how you put numbers on these things, but I'd say the vast majority of it, 80 or 90% of it, so that in the next direct contact she had with the people that were involved in her experience that she was generating so much guilt about, she had a dramatically different interaction with them. Connected, loving, respectful, all because she was willing to let herself go into the depths of her negative emotional state that she was labeling as guilt because she kept pouring her mind energy into the thought that all of this pain and suffering had come on to someone she loved because of her choice or her lack of follow-through. 
So, again, the willingness for me to pick up a tool, whether it's a reality management worksheet or a mind shifter targeted journaling tool, and face whatever comes up, breathe and soften and allow it to be there, opens the doorway for me to heal. This is part of what I was reporting before when I was talking about um, listening to the book from Christian Sundberg, the idea of his intuition, his spiritual guides, his channeling. The idea is that in order to heal, we must allow ourselves to feel fully the intense negativity and just breathe and soften and realize it's it doesn't hold any more power over us than we give it so to heal in that work is the same as what i have learned in all of my trauma reduction work and my therapy practice requires me to go face the worst part of whatever it is i'm hiding from myself I've reported this before, but it just came to mind again. They had me at a in Evanston, Illinois, at a at a veterans administration um, at an office where therapists that are treating veterans. Um, see people in their office and they hold groups there and they hold trainings there and they had me in to talk to a series of therapists and I was just giving a presentation related to the EFT tapping and the neuroemotional technique and my understanding of some really useful ways to talk about trauma and I talked about how if somebody has a recurring flashback and trauma of a trauma where they they feel like they're seeing it and feeling it again, they get all agitated and their emotions are running high and their heart rate is up and their blood pressure is up and they're crying or they're shaking or whatever, that one way to think about this is that in that moment, where they're seeing the worst of what they remember. They're not seeing the worst of the trauma. They're seeing a moment just a split second or a moment or a minute or two before the worst part of the trauma. And I you know, pointed this out as a, as a very useful way to think about it and approach working with somebody because then you can start to help them dig into what might there be in this trauma memory that that they're not letting themselves see, that they keep backing away from. And, of course, the theory is, and in practice what happens quite often is, that when I help somebody face the worst of it, it releases the pressure, they don't have to keep reliving it, and healing begins. And when I mention this to 
the therapist sitting around the table, there was a younger woman therapist who scoffed and said, well, now I know you're full of crap because, you know, we have several people who come in here and they remember every last bit, every gory detail, all the worst of the worst of these trauma memories. And there's nothing, you know, that could be worse than what they're remembering. And I said, well, our experience has been that that's not really the way it works. And she said, oh, come on, what could be worse than, you know, this guy's full-blown memory of he's there, he's in a firefight, and all of a sudden his buddy right next to him, he got into the service with him, he went to high school with him, his best friend, and they're fighting side by side. And next thing you know, he's wiping his buddy's brains off of his face guard, his face shield. And, uh, well, that's a horrible thing. That's a horrible, horrible thing to have to have as a memory. It's a very intense thing. And yet, probably not the worst part of that memory. Because if he had faced the worst part of that memory, according to this process for working with trauma, he wouldn't keep reliving it. He would start processing through it and start healing. And she said, so what could be worse than that? And I said, well, you know, when they, when we train these people to become soldiers and fight, we train them, you know, one for all and all for one. And we never give up on a buddy and we're going to be there for each other and I would die for you, et cetera, et cetera. So what if in the middle of this firefight, this person has been, so tired of being in this war zone, so burned out that he's been wishing he could go home. But you can't say that because that would be like wishing you could leave your buddies and give up on them. And what if just prior to this firefight, he'd been having thoughts of, I wish I would just get killed and get it over with. So then this firefight happens and his buddy dies. What if just for a moment it flashed into his mind, oh, I wish it had been me because I'm so sick of this. I wish I could get out of here. He can't let his buddies know that because that's like giving up. That's like showing weakness. What if in the next moment or in the moment after he realized that his buddy had died, he flashed on, oh, thank God it was him and not me. That's another thought he wouldn't be able to let his fellow soldiers know because that's selfish and that's horrible in a different way. And with just these two examples, the woman who had been scoffing at the suggested model prior to this got it. It sank in. And so which of us who sit here today are willing to look at thoughts that intense, that intense that we might label negative. Because if we're stuck in any kind of a negative emotional pattern or a recurring negative thought, chances are really good there are negative or intense, whether you call them negative or not, intense thoughts that we've labeled negative that we're running from seeing, that we are keeping ourselves from remembering and 
the way to healing is allowing, embracing, softening. That's what they said over and over in the way of mastery is love allows all things, love trusts all things, love embraces all things, and thereby transcends all things. Love is not saying, this is bad, this is wrong, this is horrible. Even, you know, soldiers dying in a firefight. Even, um, I heard this morning there was a utility worker that died because a live wire fell on him when he was out trying to help people in this storm. Love is not going to say, oh, that's horrible, that's tragic. Love is going to say, this happened. And how do we hold love conscious, active, and present even though this happened? How do we identify the negative thoughts that we're using to create the tension, the pain, the fear, the sadness, the upset, that doesn't need to be in our experience even though these things that we would say we don't want are actively occurring in our lives. If you're having any difficulty understanding that concept or putting it to active practice in your life, give us a call, 563-999. 3581, call that number and press 1. 610, Susan. Hi, Dr. Kim. Are you back in your office? Everything functioning? I'm in my office. I don't have uh, access to to any power at home, any water, any lights, or any heat at home, but I am in my office. Wow. And uh, so... I do have internet and phone at the office, and I'll be able to function there today. I'll be in wow. a motel again tonight, but wow, that's quite a long haul you've got over there. Well, or just uh, you know another set of circumstances that I can choose to be grateful for, because it's right. As I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you were on the call, I just, I'm filled with gratitude that I have the flexibility, the car that works well, and the the finances that allow me to go relatively easily afford a motel for a couple nights, and I don't have children that I have to transport around, or pets, I just, I'm quite grateful, and and looking for opportunities to be, you know, a blessing to others uh, mm. in and through my days. So all of this seems to relate very well to this Sunbird, Sunboard book. How did you find him? I got the Audible book, and I know what you mean about reading him, is reading the numbers. Uh, between but 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 statements. but that changes later on in the book. That's just in the first section. Yeah, I remember you said that, and I was listening 
who just the first part of it last night, it is amazing, and I instantly trust him, which is unusual. Sometimes I think this person says they're channeling, I don't know, I don't know, but there's something about this man. His work is amazing. Every single thing he says, I should stop listening. In fact, I've ordered the book because listening is is hard because he'll say something that needs some thought and he's already read the numbers and gone on to the next thing and I was even glad there were numbers <laughs> between him. You know? Even yep, when he was saying numbers seventy seven seventy seven, one, twenty five, I'm trying to process what he just said before he went into his numbers. <clears throat> but every one of them is like a teaser, like a brain blow upper blower upper something. So how did you come across him? I think it was, uh, I may be wrong, but I think it was Michelle Pache who has been on this show years ago. She used to host with Michael and Jeannie. She would run the switchboard. She wouldn't really talk that much on the show but she would run the switchboard i think it was something that she posted where she said this resonates with what i understand to be true and so i found the link just to give it a there are quite a few things that people like that whether it's michelle or other people have been on the show they post and i click on them and Mm -hmm. i listen a little bit doesn't resonate and i just let it go but this one um it resonated and i was curious and so i listened to the whole i guess it's an hour and eight minute interview and then i you know was curious enough to listen to the book Mm. well it's a treasure so far but what you've been saying about all you have to do is allow he says that and yesterday michael gave me a an assignment it was started out as a mind shifter, but basically he asked me to make a list of all the things my power person would tell me a person should do in order to show gratitude. Like I, I should start from the other end. We have this tenant in our house, this person who's living with us, and I get to smooth sailing for a while, and then all of a sudden I find I'm building up expectations goals, then resentments, tightness in the chest, hard feelings, feeling critical, and having to say, okay, it's happening all over again. Um, Because my way of handling what I perceive as his situation would be very different from the way he is. Well, he has a right to be who he is and all that. So just said, why don't you make a list? And the list was just disgustingly long. But there was healing in the making of the list, just making the list of looking at a person should be grateful. A person should do a certain amount of chores without being asked in order to earn one's keep. A person should, um, the list is just endless. I could read it. It's kind of funny. But I made the list and I thought, Okay, this is about a gazillion worksheets. But then when I saw the man's name is Michael, which is confusing. We we talk about Michael Rice a lot. 
when I saw him next, some of the bands around my chest had loosened again. And I'm thinking, this isn't permanent necessarily, but there is a healing in just the allowing part. And what Sunborg says is we're here for all these experiences. One experience is no different from another in the way of value. We come here loaded to the gills with darkness as well as light. This is a great opportunity, but the vibes down here on this plane are sometimes pretty dark, pretty bad, pretty low. But somehow just having him say that is a kind of allowing or acknowledging, and it ends up being, I feel excited instead of kind of swamped or bewildered or overwhelmed. I feel kind of excited about the whole thing. So I will reinforce recommending that for other people who are listening to explore that book, even though I'm not far enough into it to really say that. But uh, going on your recommendation, I think I can. Well, one of the pieces that I take from it is to just look at with a slightly different focus, everything that happens as another opportunity to presence this loving energy, to choose for joy, to choose for love, to choose for forgiveness or compassion. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in, in my mind, it, it holds the benefit of helping me... Um, kind of release or dismantle the part of my mind that would want to go find some rationalization for things. And so I just throw the the blanket rationalization on it. It's very similar to what um, Byron Katie came to in her work. If it's happening, it's perfect. Mm. Right, so if it's happening, it's the perfect opportunity for me to presence love, and it's either, you know, instantly joyful, spontaneously blissful, etc., or it's stirring up something less than that in me. And this is my weightlifting. This is why I came here. I came here to try and see. Mm-hmm. How many heavy weights I could lift and get stronger and stronger? How many difficult situations I can go through and still presence love? How, how, how much better can I get at holding the presence of love in these situations that normally, as I love the way the, the one thing in the way of mastery said, every time I get triggered, what's really happening here is this is an opportunity for me to bring new presence to energies that once defeated me. Mm. It's not about anybody being bad or wrong. It's not about good versus evil. It's just in this moment, this kind of thing would normally, and in the past, may have triggered a fear, a sadness, a hurt, an anger, a judgment. And rather than going to that in this moment, I have a new opportunity to bring a new presence, a new response to energies 
that once defeated me. And by defeated me, I mean triggered me to, to choose less than love. Mm-hmm. We had an amazing experience the other day in our Zoom support group. Um, you remember Ellen, she has a neighbor who lives across the street, a man who's probably 81 or two years old, is a solitary at this point. I don't know his story, but he's been thinking about what to do with his life's work. And he and she have been talking, and she's that much younger than he is, that he wants to give her the book he is writing, have her kind of take it forward or be the curator of it after he dies. Now, he seems perfectly healthy at this point, but she was telling me at one point, just talking on the phone, that she felt quite overwhelmed and responsible, and she had read part of this book, and he's a scientist and a a mystic, amazing man. And I said, why don't you invite him to our Zoom group? And she did, and he appeared, and it was the most amazing meeting. So much of what he said was what Michael teaches. He even mentions if you want to experience love in its purest form, have you ever held a newborn baby? I mean, I thought, whoa. And so he, he said that, and he talked. He didn't mention the word love That was a little later when he said about the baby. He didn't mention love, but he mentioned that as a scientist, he has come to the point where he he feels as if he's having, and he calls them downloads, just the way Michael Rice does. I'm getting this book as a download, and I'm not sure whether I'll get the whole download before I'm no, no longer in the physical body or what, very gentle person, listens to other people. Um, I hope he comes back to the group. But in any case, Ellen is going to be in possession of this book. And Michael's been saying there's sort of a, what did he call it, a critical mass. And now we're having people pop up like this man who he didn't even know, practically know what he was doing in his retirement, but getting these downloads and writing a book. And I feel as if he's right in line with Sunborg and Michael Rice and the work you're doing on the radio show and Byron Katie and everything coming to light. I know my mind's going all over the place, but I'm also thinking the Internet is accelerating this because so much is so available immediately upon you type something in a search line and you can find tons of information on just about anything. That's very exciting. Yeah, it's exactly the uh, the kind of thing that when we were listening to the the condor flies to the eagle, it was the uh, the three-hour lecture by Ian Shell Lunghold on the Mayan calendar and, and his understanding of the meaning of the Mayan calendar and how it's talking about creation and creation speeding up consciousness, speeding up its creative process. And that we began at a very fundamental level 
you know, the reptilian and then the mammalian, et cetera, and and, and now the more advanced um, human-loving thought processes, et cetera. And it's this consciousness advancing. Um, of course, in the Mayan calendar, there are all of these dates and there are these... Um, they're, they're looking at it from the... Um, So they're looking back, and so it's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So it really holds beautifully together because they put it together from the looking back at the past and the way things f- fell into play. And then he started, you know, projecting going forward what's likely going to happen and what, what are we going to see. Now, this was a talk that was done, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, so now we can look and see, oh, he wasn't exactly accurate about how this is all going to fall out in the future. But it still holds together in terms of looking at the progression of the kind of um, oh, the maturing of consciousness. It's the kind of thing that... Uh, I don't know if you heard me talk about this, but we we listened to a a gentleman who's written a book about past life or near near life near death experiences. What Michael would call near life experiences, and he's interviewed over seven hundred people, and he's talking about how optimistic the whole thing is, the whole picture when you look at it. You don't mm. get an optimistic picture if you look at the news today. There's totally. war in the Ukraine, and there's all of these devastating storms. And, you know, Michael Rice might talk about how, well, it's warm now, but that's not good for the overall environment, and this is bad, and that is bad. If you look at that, any particular thing, yes, you can generate a lot of negativity. But he said, mm-hmm. but when you look at the bigger picture, in the early 1900s, it was common to have a newspaper story about a black person who was hung because they looked at a white person the wrong way. Mm. Right? In the in the period of time when my grandfather on my father's side was born, there were they were still rounding up Native Americans and putting them in camps if they weren't killing them outright. And they were, you know, having massacres and wounded knee and the march of tears and so we're now all gone, but now it's certainly at the point where even our governments are coming out with formal proclamations saying this was wrong, we need to make restitution, this is... So it's, you know, when you look at the bigger picture, things are getting much, much better. The consciousness of love and compassion and fairness and um, healing is winning out. Anyway, that's just, that's the kind of thing that draws me to whether it's 
Christian Sundberg's work or the work of this gentleman who wrote the book on near-death experiences. I said his name in the show the other day, but it's not coming to me right now. Hmm. Let's see if I can't pull it up here so we can put it in this show as well. But, yeah, my 14 years of near-death experience research shows what's Mm. coming to mankind with David Suich, S-U-I-C-H. And this was on, and this was on um, a podcast that, that's called the Next Level Soul Podcast, NLS Podcast. And the man they were interviewing was David Suich. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm delighted to pass those things along because they're so thoroughly, deeply positive. Oh, that's nice. Well, I'm and they're, and they're an based on observation rather than you know <laughs> pie in the sky fluff. Right, and I'm having a negative pushback because. One book I recommended to you the other day, Jaber Crow, I don't know if you've had a chance to get into that, but one of the things that happens toward the end of his life is that farming, the way it began to be, became very inhumane, um, mechanized animals herded together, suffering in terrible circumstances, got that new thing going on and also the fact that even though young people are taking courses about climate change and how we have so many things differently in order to reverse the damage we've already done to the climate, the kids in the meantime are drinking their Starbucks coffees with their plastic cups and straws and not even putting together the immediate responsibility that they have with this Global. I mean, people dredging the sea for plastic, meanwhile dumping four times as much every day back into the sea. I know I'm having an attack of negativity, but it seems as if we have improved so much in one way and we're doing such terrible things in the other way. So I'd love to have you say a, a soothing word about that. Well, my soothing word is choose for the optimism. Right? I mean, yes, you can look at the negativity, but unless you have the resources within you, within your finances and within your uh, logistical support network from your the company that you run that you know has trillions of dollars available, unless you're in a position to do something positive about it in the next moment, release all of your worries about it and say, I'm going to do the next right, loving, positive thing based on the things I have control over and do do what I can to choose to presence love in this moment. I can't be presencing love in this moment if I'm pouring my mind energy into fear and resentment and bitterness about the plastic in the oceans or people's idiocy for not understanding their role in it. I can't. I can't be doing both yeah. in the same moment. Mm-hmm. Now I can recognize that there's a problem, and I can yeah. say, oh, you know what? Let me start the recycling campaign. Um, and instead of doing it at my church, 
let me go out and see if I can influence some children at a, the upper grade school level or the high school level because that's the next wave. And what if we get them awakened? And, and I have this outgoing nature, and I've got plenty of energy, and I'm good with kids. Let me do that. All right. And there you go. Yeah. And now you have an, a, a positive thing you're doing with your energy to make things better in the next moment. And then you're going to feel better about it. It's like, you know, we talk about so many times I've said, there's a reason my eyes only see a certain distance and I can only hear from a certain distance away. And that is because I can't fix everything in the world. And if you knew everything that was going on, good, wonderful, neutral, and negative in the town that you live in, you would be filled with hope. You'd be filled with joy and hope. And then when you find out, oh, my gosh, there's people, these people, you know, a mile and a half away, their house had a, a fire, something blew up in the gas main or whatever, and now they need, you know, blankets and they need shelter and they, and you load up some food and you load up some blankets and you go over and you help. You meet them. And you feel mm-hmm. the sense of agency and constructive, you know, passing along, giving from your abundance, and you feel like you're actively participating in making things better, and you feel great. And, you, you know, you, you get to process the sadness about their loss, but you also get to feel the sense of, gratitude for what you have and the sense of satisfaction for sharing from it. But when you start hearing about these things that are happening all over the globe outside your reach and mm-hmm. only the negative, you don't hear about all the wonderful things that are happening in every country, including the Ukraine, including Russia, including India, including in name any country. You don't get to hear all the good stuff that's happening in that country when the news shows you the latest devastation that's happening there right my cat agrees too and that's and that's (laughs) just what this work is about for me is recognizing what am i choosing to pour my mind energy into how many times have you had to say that oh yeah yes and that's where the the way of mastery is trying to get me to understand I'm creating my experience of life. I'm a very powerful creator, moment to moment. Am I going to mm-hmm. choose to create from fear or create from love? Am I going to create my experience of life in this next moment from fear or from love? Mm. That's what I would say in response to your comment. Thanks. Good. I think one of the things I like so much about the the narrator character in this book I recommended is that he does not shut down the darker thoughts that he has, but he has them without attaching some kind of intensity or meaning to them beyond what they are so that he remains a loving person 
he he'll acknowledge crazy behavior in someone or but he 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 models being a human being in a gorgeous way. I think I said that before. Is this um, the the novel you were mentioning? Yes, by Wendell Berry, Jaber right. Pro. Yeah. So it's not it's not nonfiction. It's not based on a true story. It's a novel. But he's created this character that you're resonating yeah. with. Yes. Okay, just clarifying. Yeah. And the audio book is fantastic. That's one that you really can pro- maybe even get more out of than the book itself because the tone of this reader is so good. All right, Wendell Berry, and the title of the book is Jaber Crow. J-A-Y-B-E-R. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I looked it up and have it on one of my devices. I didn't order it yet, but I have the the name there. Well, we're heading into a weekend. I hope it is a lovely time for you, and I hope you are able to increasingly throughout your days choose joy and choose for love and recognize that long, long, well-programmed pattern from your power people, etc., to to be negative and to be fearful and catch it when it happens and release it. Mm. I'm, I'm hopeful that you you witness yourself getting better and better at that as the days go on. Thanks, Dr. Tim. Well, and good luck with the electricity in your apartment or your house or wherever you live. <clears throat> Thanks. I'm certain it'll all get resolved in good time. And I will mute you so you can listen into the second half. Again, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure when you join us for the show. Blessings. Thanks. And I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. And I will welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. I hope you have a really good weekend. Are you so? Thanks. When I came in, you were talking about being blessed enough to be able to stay in a hotel, so you still don't have power. Not at my house, but this morning the uh, the power got restored at the office, and we could get things cleaned up enough in the tree branches and stuff to get access to the parking lot. So I'm sitting in the office now, and I'll be able to see patients today, and sure. and. Um, another night in a motel tonight and hopefully tomorrow or the next day have my house back oh good well i hope you have as pleasant as you can enjoyable weekend (laughs) all right thanks you too bye-bye thanks thanks bye so welcome everybody to the second hour of mind shifters radio and today is friday february the 24th 2023 and our calling number is 563-999 3581 and press 1 and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And Michael has just dialed in and uh, so I'll say welcome Michael. Thank you dear heart and welcome everybody. Delighted that you're here. 
I heard from somebody just today who had a, an interesting question to ask me uh, after reading my book, and the question was, why is this happening to me again? <laughs> Which I thought was kind of interesting after reading the book, entitled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And to really look at the purpose of the actual world whenever we are holding any kind of dis-ease energy. You know, we've established that the main principle of energy systems, the main driver behind it is resonance. And so recognizing that, if I hold in myself an untoward energy, an energy that never belonged in a human system, then I have begun the destruction of that human system. And it seems that the designer of the energy system doesn't like that destructive type stuff, doesn't want it for us. And so recognizing that, the system seems to be set up that whatever dis-ease energy I'm holding on to that I really don't want to deal with, that I don't want to feel, that I don't want to look at, I don't want to hear about, whatever it is, of course, I try to, if I don't have the tool of forgiveness, I try to get rid of it. How does the average person get rid of what they don't want to deal with? They step into this game of denial. They literally hide from themselves. And, of course, the only place you can hide it is inside of yourself. They literally hide from themselves those energetic patterns that they really don't want to deal with. Now, if you've been in the Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop with me before, you probably heard me use an analogy for that. I have a three-foot diameter spring. The spring stands three feet high. And as it stands there on the floor, there's absolutely nothing it can do until somebody comes along and presses on it. And of course, if they come along and press on it and lock it down and press on it again and lock it down and press it on it still once again and lock it down, each time that spring is locked down, another level of potential energy is stored in it. Kind of similar with brain cells, except that when we stuff something, when we go into denial, dissociate from content, push it down, what we're really doing energetically is pushing it out into the world. I shared Marcel Vogel in his Delaware camera where he could take a picture of the high energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. Every time there's something moving in me that I don't want to deal with and I push on it, I add energy to it. So it strengthens, and the energy wave that moves from it is amplified. It's intensified. And since the world works by the process of resonance, as long as I am really clear that I never want to have this happen to me again, and I keep it pushed down, I just sent out a signal to the world that said, is there anybody in the world knows how to do this to me? And through resonance, who's going to show up in my life? And when they do, 
even if they came with a totally different intention, probably going to do. If they have a matching bag of garbage and that's what would draw them to me, then that which I'm pushing down and avoiding in myself will set up a resonance and tend to intensify or amplify, resonate that particular behavior in them. And so oftentimes people against their own will and choice do the very behavior that triggers the why is this happening be again experience in the mind and the physiology and the emotions and the nervous system of the person who's trying to do avoidance. The more negative attention is paid to that which is moving within, the more the energy intensifies. However, being in denial, having dissociated from that very content that one doesn't want to deal with, and having someone show up and resonate that content, that act of denial means that what this person who's come to give me the gift of showing me what I'm in denial about, what's going to happen is they're going to resonate that very content. And by doing so, since I'm in avoidance of it, I'm going to use that very content to build my brain's image of them. Now I have a perceptual construct that shows me that something or somebody outside of me is the cause of what's moving inside of me essence of why is this happening to me again. You can't solve an internally generated problem that is something causes pain inside of you. You know, short of somebody punching you in the nose, cancel the thought. Nobody can cause pain in you. But anybody can resonate the pain that's in you. And if you're in pain you play the game of you hurt me and once again, you've intensified the very root of the pain. And guess what you just did? You just created another why is this happening to me again event. Now, of course, there are people who say, well, just don't ever do that again. Just don't ever feel that way. Well, to tell a person not to hold a construct in their minds that's being produced by the mind already is to invite a deeper dissociation from the content producing that construct. And that will lead to even deeper disease states. If one's mind is producing an untoward energy like regret, hate, fear, rage, guilt, grief, and one wishes to be finished with that mental disorder, Offer that forgiveness, uncovering, facing, embracing, and removing the untoward underlying energy is the key to being over it, not obeying somebody's commands and never feel that way again. If you try to play the game of, I'll just never let myself feel this again, you just intensify. You just push down on the spring one more time at another level of energy in it and lock the spring down. Guess who's going to be joining you soon? Somebody who has the matching bag of garbage. Now, 2,000 years ago, there was a technology developed precisely designed for undoing that, for being freed of that. Now, it is certainly a challenge to imagine, but perception, the world we think we see with our eyes, is nothing but a reflection based on what's happening inside of us. These fantasies of the mind 
And how can you tell if you're in a fantasy of the mind? You're in some form of hostility or fear. These fantasies are deceptively massaged and projected to look like they're outside of us. The brain shows us a picture of the person who triggered it made out of exactly what they've triggered in us. So we really have this evidence that it's outside of us. And this results in most people living in the false belief that they're victims of the very world that they've made up. These fallacious overlays, projections that trick us, remain within until they are removed. As the Course of Miracles says, they leave not their source. Now, forgiveness is only needed to change the internally generated quote-unquote world, this world of perception. External action can't change what's going on inside. So that world between our ears that distracts us by pretending to be so real outside of us is where forgiveness needs to be applied. Forgiveness is not needed in the actuality because the actuality is already based in love. You go to that lesson in the course and you can go to our website or pardon me, you can go to our YouTube channel just go to YouTube and type in Michael Rice and you'll be looking at, I don't know, 100 or so videos. Or go to our website, whyagain.org, and you'll see the link to the YouTube channel with our uh, social media contacts. And the lesson's entitled, What is the World? There's about a, we actually have a two-hour DVD on that topic, but there's about a 30-minute synopsis of it that's pretty crisp and clear, pretty clear. That lesson says the world is false perception. That's all it is. You hear people talk about the Course and, oh, we made up the world of bodies and trees and then and then. No, 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 that's all just a perceptual construct of the mind. That's the world where forgiveness needs to be applied. We make up the world, the one we think we see, the one we, pardon me, we think we see in our minds, and we see it because it's out there. You only see it because it's in here. These things pictured are nothing but a construct, a hologram, constructed from what's stored in the mind from the past and projected into our awareness from within. Nothing but a hologram, and there's no life in a hologram. There's no life in that world. That's the, the people who lived in that world, Yeshua, 2,000 years ago, informed they're the dead buried by the dead and the blind led by the blind. Forgiveness, properly understood and applied, collapses this world of false perception. And that lesson of the course, what is the world, it says, and this world leads not its source. Those false perceptions do not go outside of you. Energetic patterns based in them do, and that's how we draw people in to play it out with us again and again. You know, if you've ever taken the geographic here, you know exactly what I mean. 
You know, you went to the other side of the country to avoid someone, and the person who picked you up at the airport on the other end finished the sentence that the person dropped you off started. How does this work? So forgiveness collapses that world of false perception. That's the only purpose of forgiveness, to collapse the world between your ears. It's never to be applied to anybody else. And when you do collapse those errant constructs of the mind, they drop in on themselves and you get access to what you've been pushing down perhaps your whole life and perhaps for a thousand generations have been pushed down in your bloodline. So you get to access the underlying errant energy, energy patterns. And when actual forgiveness occurs, those patterns are dissolved because they're uncovered when perception collapses. Because it, when collab, perception collapses, it drops in. The energy that's been dissociated from is now accessible. And when that is exposed to conscious, active, present love, it dissolves. So it's the bringing up this presence of love to internally generated pain that heals and transforms the past, moment by moment. And it's, it's that that makes moments memorable and delicious. Because love is present. We get to taste that instead of being stuck in this little isolated world of perception. So again, forgiveness has nothing to do with others. It's designed for one purpose and one purpose only. To remove the underlying constructs that the mind places before us. The energetic patterns that underlie those constructs. The realities that are used as a substitute for and block awareness of actuality. So we have the world of reality, the constructs of our mind, and then we have the world of actuality, what's actually going on. And that world of actuality is concealed by the constructs of the mind. And the mind, by definition, can only use energetic patterns and information from the past so anything that the mind generates is a reflection of past content. Expose the root of that past content to love, and it dissolves, that's all. So this world of love that we can learn to hold present as we access the underlying dynamics is the key to the healing process. And when you live in a commitment to function out of love, to function as love, then you can utilize your mind in support of you experiencing yourself as the true created essence of love that you are. In our Healing Through Relationships workshop, we have a commitment. Well, I haven't spoken the commitment in a while, so I thought I would share it today if we've got anybody new that hasn't used it or anybody that needs a reminder. 
And the commitment goes like this. I promise to trust you enough to tell you the truth, to be true to you, and always engage in just and fair behavior with you, to always be sweetness in your life, to nurture you daily and treat you lovingly, gently, and with respect in my thoughts, my words, and my actions, whether in your presence or not. In every interaction, I commit to affection for you, to look for and acknowledge the highest and best in you. And as I do that, I'll surrender to love our true nature. I'll use only voice tones that reflect my deep caring for you. My connection to love, our source, gratitude for my relationship with you and our serenity will always be more important than any issue. Unless, of course, you raise a big issue in me, and then I may have to do some work to get back to this commitment. I open my being to embrace you in my love, and I open my being to be embraced in your love. If anything unlike love comes up inside of me, I will hold us in my heart and listen as I learn to speak, experience, and be responsible and forgive my own realities. I'm here for and with you. I promise to speak only truth to you as I keep communication open and keep love conscious, active, and present. As we heal, celebrate life, and grow together. The purpose of life I would offer is to experience ourselves as we are, the truth of who we are, rather than the mind's projections of who somebody taught us we were. It's a powerful, sweet place to be. And so honored and delighted to be able to share this space with you today. And Ms. Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? It is all quiet. So someone press one. We have 40 minutes. We've got plenty of time. I'm not sure if she pressed one a second time or not. I know she was talking to Dr. Tim at the end of his show. I'm going to turn on Susan's phone and see. 610, did you mean to press one again? I didn't, but I was thinking about doing it. <laughs> well, we were right uh, in the middle of the conversation <laughs> yesterday, so. Yeah, well, everything you've been saying, especially reading that commitment, I, you know, I usually hear or read that commission, commitment in relation to my children or my husband's friend, but I was listening to it as if I were saying it to Michael downstairs, hmm. and I can't say it. I can't say it. I'm not ready. I did your, I did a 
I don't know what you call it, Michael. You gave me an assignment to do a mind shifter, and then it morphed into making a list of all the ways, all the things my power person would say to Michael. The list is long and what when I was listening to you read the commitment I felt as if I would get swallowed up or taken advantage of or abused or used if I what great worksheets you just uncovered now there's a mind shifter for you each one of those words you just repeated is a worksheet Mm-hmm. So how about another mind shifter? All right, I'm getting off my stuff. All right, I'm ready. It's safe and healing? Yeah. When people abuse me. It's safe and healing when people take advantage of me. What was the other word you used? Swallow me up. And, of course, the mind's going to go, but, 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 but. That's everything you want to write on the right-hand side of the page. What a great way to uncover it. And when you read that commitment, you mean that we should be able to say that to anyone and everyone. Every mind, heart, and being on the planet. Ultimately, you know, my natural state as a human being, as love, would be to do that without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I have a past that's counseled me not to do that, so now I'm going to have to think about it, and I've got work to do to achieve that. And all I have to do is mm-hmm. clean everything out of my mind that says that it's stupid, crazy, I'm going to get destroyed, I'm going to get taken advantage of, what have you. All I have to do is clean that out mm-hmm. of my mind. And then I get to hold on to my human life, whatever somebody else is doing. Hmm. and be a doormat. I know I'm pushing, Michael. Uh, I'm just pushing your words. Okay. So how about it's safe and healing, Mm -hmm. and I love it when people make a doormat of me. (laughs) What What does that resonate for you? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Go for All it. Right. What, what, what's happening? What's moving? I got a cartoon in my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a I'm a doormat. I'm flattened right out, and people are dancing on top of me. Yippee! Stomp! Stomp! Mm. Stomp! Mm. Okay. All right. Well, you've taken me far away from my rational mind. <gasps> awesome. Um, this is a big one. Okay. Yeah, it is. I can tell you, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I understand. But you do want to be human, right? You do want to function as a human being. (laughs) Say it again. There must be another way to get there. (laughs) Now, the only way you can get 
the only way you can be human is, is to be human. The only way mm-hmm. you can function as love is to function as love. There are no shortcuts to it. Yeah, and that's what why if, I love that book I recommended to you the other day, Jaber Crow. Um, if you ever get a chance to hear the audio book of that, it is a human being. It's a, 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 a living example of a human being. Yes. And I did buy it. I haven't denial. listened to it yet. Did you? Yeah, he's not in denial. Yeah. He's not... He's not blinded. He's not prematurely enlightened. He's not sweetness and light and all that barfy stuff. He's really a full human being. And some of the circumstances that he goes through are very hard. The invitation would be not to be a human being. Anyways, I didn't. I got off on a tangent, but <clears throat> I've been using him as an example in my mind these days. Nice. And oh, what if well, thank you. What? what what if you simply gave up every reason you could possibly think of to do something other than function as love? Well, it's that fear of a total annihilation sitting right there. Mm, yeah. And and how does that relate to your power person? Well, it's logical that it would be my power person, but she was just a person with a writing prop. I mean, I don't think that's that big of a deal, but maybe back then it was. To a small child? That's Mm -hmm. annihilation. You know, we we grow a crust over Mm -hmm. our wounds. And, you know, down through the years, I've had so many people who, were pretty rough around the edges, and they'd say, well, you know, look at me. I turned out just fine. They don't, it didn't hurt me. You know, the spare the rod, spoil the child. I got the whipping yeah. often enough, but never hurt me. It's like if you went back to the first moment where that tender being was fully present and someone raised a voice or a fist or a riding crop to that child, mm. The pain is so overwhelming that it's incomprehensible. Yeah. And ultimately, that's what needs to be embraced in love, to be dissolved. That's what forgiveness is, the dissolution Mm -hmm. of those energetic patterns. When my mother was getting ready to die, she said to me, sometimes I think about how I treated you two little girls. I've told you this. And I did just what you said people do. I said, oh, mom, we're fine. You know, don't worry about it. I shut her down totally. She was trying to come through and have a dialogue. Trying to open the space, yeah. Yeah, and I wouldn't do it. And I've told you that before. But when you just mentioned what you did about, oh, I'm fine, spare the rods, spoil the child, I'm fine. That's pretty much what I did to my mom. And this, you mentioned scar tissue. Um, 
I feel as if I'm a, a very healthy, happy plant that did grow up in an odd, like between two rocks or something. Not that it was terrible. I don't mean to make it sound so bad, but there's a very strong life force in us that helps us grow toward the light even when there are obstacles. And that's what yes. I sort of picture that many of us have done. And if we're still carrying around those wounds and someone shows up to resonate those wounds, then the voice mm-hmm. that comes out of us that sounds like our voice, that seems to be our thinking, is actually the voice of the power person passed from generation to generation to generation. Right. And notice how many places in your life that you've mm-hmm. replaced that voice truly with your own voice and with the presence of love. And now here we are, we get to face, and I say we because I'm talking about me as much as you, the next space where there's that power person voice that wants to come up and battle and be battled and do harm. And all it needs to do is be forgiven. But there's that old saying, you know, when you're up to your sweet dippy and alligators, it's hard to remember that the objective was to drain the swamp. So That's why a I'm partnership is so important where there's trust. Somehow I'm getting the idea. My mother had a tremendous helplessness about her. I mean, she went into these tirades because she was absolutely flat-out miserable. And I'm, suddenly I'm picturing Michael in my mind. My Michael, not your Michael. Yeah, not I you. understand. His vulnerability scares the shit out of me, Michael. His vulnerability or his defensiveness? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm trying to breathe here. I mean, when I see him in his, you know, he does use our washing machine when he must. And he's welcome to use it a lot more than he does. He's trying to be invisible down there. Right. In the basement. So Invisible probably means survival. Right. It does. And survival means terror. Right. And he comes upstairs and his clothes aren't clean. And they could be. But he's trying not to use our resources. I'm pretty sure. I'm just imagining because he doesn't talk to us. And he comes upstairs when he thinks we're not there. I imagine he waits at the bottom of the stairs to hear whether we're around and he won't come up if we are. And he comes up when we're upstairs or out for a walk. And sometimes he miscalculates and I I come upon him in the kitchen at the microwave oven and he's, he's like, oh my God, he's been caught. I mean, that's how I'm imagining he feels because there's something about him. And I greet him, and we seem okay. And uh, this is a very strange situation. But overall, 
his vulnerability is is now I know I'm saying it's him causing me to feel what I feel, but I feel afraid when I see how vulnerable he is. <clears throat> well what I, I hear you describing what I hear you describing is someone carrying around so much terror that they'd probably be quite happy if they were never seen by anyone ever again because it would mean they're not going to be attacked again. Yeah, right. It's something like that. The littlest thing can go wrong and he'll have a panic attack, literally crying, nose dripping, legs shaking because of a flat That's terror. That's terror. terror. Yeah. And what it takes to go so far down that you're living on the street and then what happens, what what you're pulling into your experience when you're living on the street. I mean, it's horrific. And you know, your home is probably the safest place he's been in years. And even then, he still projects this terror that yeah. somebody's going to get him. Yeah. And that people aren't nice. And sometimes he'll say, do you want me out of here? And I'll say, Michael, we're doing winter now, and we're not turning you out in winter. We can rethink everything in the springtime when it's safer for you to be outside, if that's what's going to happen. We'll look at the den. Don't worry about it now. And he seems to settle down again. But it's it's like um, the thin, thinnest film over his terror. And he, I don't know whether he's just shutting out ideas of the future, including getting a job. We're trying to find papers, find a way of getting papers for his dog, for instance, so that he would at least have papers if he wants to get a job where they would allow a job, a dog, under those circumstances, stuff like that. And he was willing to look up stuff. I haven't heard much since. I sent him the link you sent. Thanks a lot for that. He said, no, he doesn't qualify for a service dog, but an emotional support dog he does, and that's, of course, very limiting. He can't go into a restaurant if they don't want him or have a job if they don't want the dog or an apartment if they don't want the dog. They can refuse the dog, whereas they can't refuse a service dog. <clears throat> so anyway, we haven't really... I mean, our communications are like 10 words, and then two days go by and 10 more words. Very, very little is happening. And if I go down in the basement to do laundry, at one point I came down, I turned on the light, I come down, and I can pretty much avoid having him have to see me or deal with me. I go right around the corner to where the washing machine is. One time he piped up and said, are you sneaking around? (laughs) I said, I'm definitely sneaking around. Because I was. I didn't want to bother him. But that's what he does. I mean, he he seemed a little annoyed, as if I'm sneaking around. And he also laughs a lot in this. Whenever something isn't going right, it's somebody else's fault, and he's laughing in a sarcastic way. It's hard to explain. It's very soft. 
but I'm seeing all that as an incredible vulnerability, and I feel really vulnerable around him. Mm. So anyway, lots of work to do. Yeah, my take would be that the terror that's moving in him is resonating the unresolved terror that you're still carrying around And as you forgive that terror, then you'll get safer and safer. And in that space of safety, he will tend to move towards safety. Everything you're describing, it sounds like it would not be difficult for him to get a diagnosis of PTSD. And if he has a diagnosis of PTSD, then a service dog is appropriate. And it sounds like he's already got his service dog. His service dog, this little tiny blind dog, He's like a sack of potatoes. He's tiny. But Michael has said to me several times, I would be dead if it weren't for this dog. So what he leans the on. Dog is, yeah. yeah, and the dog is 12 years old, and he carries that dog with such tenderness and protectiveness. He goes into the park and gently puts him down. I mean, it's heartbreaking. Tim told me he saw him in the backyard, and he said, I felt as if I was looking at an angel watching him with his dog. Mm. I don't know where I'm going with this, Michael, but I do have this mind shifter you just gave me. Um, One of my thoughts is that... Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the mind shifter thing seems like a thing in itself, and there's something about... Michael, I wonder if there's a, maybe if I do the mind shifter, I'll know how Michael hitches in. But anyway, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that maybe a conversation with Jonathan and Jonathan could direct where he could, you know, there's probably some sort of community service uh, medical facility there that would support him with a, a diagnosis that would take him a step closer to being able to have uh, his dog designated as a true service dog. Well, that's a very interesting, helpful thought. Yeah, I don't think he thinks he qualifies for a service dog, and you're saying he does. That might be a real breakthrough right there. I would say 2,000%. Everything you've told me in the conversations that I've had with him in the past, I would say in a heartbeat he would qualify. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. I've seen... Many people with service animals that don't have nearly the trauma going on that at least, you know, not having met him face to face, but from everything that you've shared and the few conversations Mm -hmm. we'd have, I mean, he would qualify in a heartbeat. Okay. Mm. This is helpful. Thank you. There's got to be mental health services or, you know, some resource, and I would think Jonathan would be the quickest way into that resource that would uh, be able to facilitate that for him. Well, and I could do some calls around. I was, yeah. Yeah. And, And how blessed he is that, you know, he's got at least this space of reprieve from being on the street where, I mean, I don't know if you've done any reading or research on the kind of abuse that street people get, but it's... I have been. I mean, it seems that a street person 
brings out the absolute worst in the bully and the violent. That I I know, and I've been reading about that, trying to understand, you know, what Michael is going through. Well, hopefully you will never be able to understand it. Mm. Have compassion for it, yes. But, you know, I think that type of thing is the the real understanding can only come from experience, and it's not an experience you ever want to have. Right. Yeah, he's told me a few things. I keep saying, Michael, you, you ought to write a book, and even if it means just talking it into your iPhone voice recorder, somebody else could type it up. But I don't think actually, there's a publisher. That. Yeah, there's a publisher that I heard from recently, and that's their specialty. They they have a special program. Their authors they give them a, this app. They just speak it, and and they don't write have to write a word. Wow. I'll find that and send you a link to them. Thanks. He he may not want to do it, and it may be for good reason. I mean, he may not want to just go there anymore. He may not want to recount. I get snippets yeah, I, of what I can saying. understand that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And look at all the wondrous opportunities he's giving you to <laughs> I know I'm supposed to learn be forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I know. Like being on a fast track. Commitment well, you just read. Wow, it's like mm-hmm. jumping from zero to 100. I'm not ready to go there yet, but that's where it needs to go. So have you used the commitment with yourself in the mirror? Not in a long time. So it might be time to dig it back out again and start to do it with yourself in the mirror and look at the parts of you that resists even you treating yourself lovingly, gently, and respectfully. Okay, I'll do it. Awesome, we'll hold the space. Thanks. All right, any other thoughts for you today? No, but I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You always get right to the stuff. You have a way of doing that. Oh, I wanted to tell you. We said hello and go ahead. Wanted to tell you, I told Dr. Tim, we had an, a man visit our Zoom support group, our Mind Shifter group the other day, that um, Ellen, who used to be on the radio a lot, radio show, she has found this neighbor, or he found her. He's in his early 80s. He's lived alone for a long time. He's a scientist and a mystic and I've a, a philosopher, amazing man who's been writing a book, and in his older years, even though he's in good health, he's thinking about, well, what am I going to do with this book and who will carry it forward for me? And he and Ellen have been having discussions and she has agreed with some nervousness to take his book and not only read it, she says it's hard going, especially at the beginning, very scientific, lots of scientific terms. But he's basically doing the work that you're doing and Tim Hayes is doing and Byron Katie's doing, and so many are doing. And so we invited him on the Zoom group, and we talked about the wake-up sheet 
And he, he, Michael, without our prompting, he said, well, if you want to know what love really is like, you need to hold a newborn baby. And, of course, my hair is ah. standing on end. Oh, oh, yeah, I heard of that before. Yep, yep. And then he said That's also, awesome. he said, you don't, you have to be, allow your trauma to come into the forefront. You don't push it down. You don't deny that it ever happened. You have a good look at it. You breathe into it. You live with it. You allow it. And there's healing in that. That's what he said. He said some other things too, but, and he was a very charming man. And I told you about Jenna, who is using my Avicen. Of course, I'm matchmaking already, Michael. He's 81 (laughs) or two, and he's probably 81 or two. And I'm thinking, what a beautiful pair of people. She's a widow, and I don't know if he ever married. In any case, I'm thinking, I wonder how they feel about each other. I'm not minding my business, in, in other words. But he was totally charming, listened very carefully, seemed to really appreciate being there. He kept saying, it is so wonderful to be among people who are thinking about these things. I thought, this man has been blooming his own flower by himself. Right. Look where he's coming. So in isolation, yeah, back. wow. It's Having like a community for talking about yes, yeah, that's awesome. But for yeah. someone like that who's isolated, having a community to to discuss these things is just that's monumental, isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'll keep you posted. See the gifts you give the world. Back. Well, it's your fault. I mean, you started it. I I don't know how I found out about your radio show. I wish I could remember what made me call the show. Who told me about it? You don't have any memory of that probably. About five years ago now, six years maybe. She's like yesterday. At least. Yeah. I have no recollection. Probably if we went back to the first show you were on, you probably told the story of how you connected with it because I usually ask that question. Wow, weird. That would be fun, but I have no way, or, no way of knowing where to start with that. Anyway, but anyway, it just as soon as I heard what you were talking about, I thought this is it. And I'm a digger of many shallow wells, but this one, I don't want to stop digging in this one, which goes down and down and down and down, and other things feed into it. But it comes out in China. Oh. <laughs> Okay, thanks. Remember we were kids? We were dig down yep. to China? I know. I know, and we'd come out upside down. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, thanks, Michael. Thanks, Jeannie, too. Sweet. All right, you have a blessed one. Again, tell Tim Bing we said hello and send our love. All right, I will. Thanks a lot. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. What a gift. What a gift. Ten minutes. we got time to do another conversation. Somebody press one. So if you're out there in listener land, our call-in number is 563. All right, let's go for it. 541, I think it's Celinda. Welcome. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Good morning. Uh, Thoroughly enjoyed the show this morning. Always enjoy one. I get to hear an interaction between you and Susan or 
uh, Tim and Susan because it's so helpful for my own process. Um, I was just wondering, I just have two quick questions. That wonderful um, my commitment to you that you read today, is that the new commitment that you finished? And I'm assuming that it's on the website. It is. Yes, ma'am. Maybe Jeannie. And if I know Jeannie, she just put a link in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's I already it. in there. <laughs> and do you mind putting a link in for that publisher when that you mentioned, Michael? I will. Because Larry would love to write a book, too, but he really does not like being on a computer. He's a man that goes out and does it outside. Right. <laughs> That'd be great. Thanks so much. Cool. I will find it and make sure to let you both know. And I, I say in all sincerity that the mind shifters seem to work better for me than the work it, sheet, work, work it out sheet at the moment. Um, and that's not because I'm throwing the work at the um, wake-up sheet away. It's just that this is what seems to be what I'm doing. And I would like to start working with the talking into the mirror to myself because I have come to the place where it's all about me. And that's where so the work I needs to be done, and mirror works powerful. Yep. Oh, Great. I mean, I've held people in my heart, um, a la Louise Hay, before, but I think, and myself included as little tiny children, but I think I need to go ahead and do the mirror work, which she did also. So, um, in fact, I have a little workbook, a little tiny workbook that she offered for free, I think it was in the 80s, early 80s. She offered it for free on how to use her book, You Can Heal Your Life, and actually set up a, a, these tools that she mentioned in her book, and, and You Can Heal Your Body, and all of these tapes that she did. And they're um, amazingly similar to, to, your, to your work. And I just really love how everything is coming out of the woodworks. And I'll send you, uh, I'll uh, email you a Jonas Zalk quote that you may or may not have heard. That would be a wonderful one to share at this time in our history, if you're so inclined on the radio show. So I can do that also when I send the amazing grace cool. revision to you. <laughs> Sweet. And I... And I think I shared that in the presence of the light with you a long time ago. And if you want that poem, I made a PDF out of it. And I can send that to you also. Certainly. Please do. Yeah. We'll uh, um, keep trucking and rocking. All right. Have a blessed one. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. And uh, a couple of things. I also put the uh, commitment to myself in the notes. But one of the things that we have taught in some of the workshops, intensives, is you know when you're facing a partner and doing the commitment to them, you put your hand on their heart, and they put their, you know, each of you are putting one hand on the other one's heart, and then your other hand goes on top of their hand. So it's a, a definite heart connection. When you're doing it to yourself in the mirror reach out and put one hand 
on the reflection where your heart is in your reflection and put your other hand on your physical heart and say the commitment to yourself that way. And then I also um, put in a link in the notes to uh, Louise Hay, uh, The Alchemy of Healing, which is where she does it, the um, cause of symptoms. And she is on target on a lot of that. Sweet. Awesome. 563-999-3581. Press 1. We have six minutes. So if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, dial that number. You'll be listening to the show directly on your phone. And then if you push one, that'll raise a hand in the control panel, and Jeannie will introduce you by your area code, and we'll get to have a conversation. So we're winding so now. We've got about five minutes. Mind, for okay, go for it. Yeah. One is to go ahead and tell people what's going on uh, with your kids and their mom and, and to hold the space as you travel this weekend. And, yes. Um, then the second, what's happening with Heartland. Cool. Yeah, if anybody and everybody would, um, some of you know CJ, my former wife, and uh, she's been living with uh, Michael J., our son, for the last seven years or so. And some of you might remember that uh, about mm, 10 or 11 years ago, she experienced kidney failure, had a kidney transplant. And about, I guess it's going on two years ago now, that kidney failed. Apparently she kept it. They said the average was, I think, about five years, and she had it for nine or ten. And uh, and it failed, and uh, she's uh, just gone into hospice just over the last couple of days. It doesn't look like she's going to come out the other side of it at this point. So, so I'm flying up Sunday to be there to support her and my son and daughter and his wife, so that uh, her passing is easy and uh, and supported. So anybody who knows CJ, if you would, just tap into her energy and send her love and support. She's uh, been doing dialysis now for, I guess it's going on two years, and the last two treatments she was supposed to have, they... Uh, they decided that she wasn't strong enough to do it, so they've effectively you know, given up on dialysis. Although not officially yet, but effectively they have. And uh, my understanding is that you know, the longest somebody who needs, who has kidney failure, can last without dialysis is a week to maybe two weeks on the outside. So, so it seems like CJ's passing is imminent. So if you know her, or if you don't, if you just send love in their direction, her direction, and Michael J. and his wife have been just troopers in taking care of her and supporting her. So if some of you will know Michael J. as well, though you probably don't know Jamie yet. So I'm going to be flying up there Sunday to them and support them in what they're going through. And of course, I'll get to hug and hold my new granddaughter, Kaylee Jo. So that's going to be pretty awesome. She's just now, what, about six months, so she's just on the edge of rolling over and grabbing things and, of course, stuffing them in her mouth and smiling and giggling and just really sweet. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we haven't set dates yet for what's going to happen at Heartland 
It looks like we're probably going to do a 16-day food fund forgiveness and work program and start it somewhere in July with the possibility of a nine-day, why is this happening to me again, or a 16-day teacher training depending on response. So if you're interested in any of those things, if you would drop us a note, if you've got my number, you can certainly call me or text me or drop Jeannie a note at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org and let her know what you're interested in. Make sure you leave your phone number in there. And sometime in the very near future, we'll be making a decision as to whether or not there's going to be enough response for people to, uh, to want to come and play to open this summer. And we weren't planning on that until just uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, when someone else actually was going to use the facility, and they've dropped out of the picture now. So we're just kind of up in the air with where it goes. So let us know what your thinking is. And beyond that, Miss Cheney, if we've got nobody else in the phone queue with the hand up, I'm complete. How about you? Yes, we're down to uh, 90 seconds anyway. So Cool. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's, oh, one other thing. It's Ryan, Jeannie's son's birthday today. He's been circling the earth for 35 years. It's like, oh, my goodness, amazing. So send some happy eternal day energy to Ryan, if you would. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the First Century Aramaic Internal Process of Forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.